Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, man, talk about trouble with the in-laws. This is a, an email I was reading today, and I've got to share that with you guys. I've got to tell you the story. I'm right here in the back of my bus, Wildflower, in Butler, Pennsylvania. I mean, it feels good to be back where this podcast started, right here in the back of this bus, talking to you. I can't wait to show you everything that I've been reading in these emails and, uh, and talk to you about actually playing a real live movie theater drive-in. <laughs> it's exciting times. Roll the intro. So I'm here to spread some good news. I'm sitting on the back of my bus, Wildflower, which might not seem like that big a deal, especially if you start at the beginning of all my podcasts. But what's crazy is that I haven't done this. I haven't done the podcast in the back of the bus thing for over seven months because we've been shut down and it feels good to just be on tour. I don't know. I've said on this podcast so many times that... It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we'll get back on tour and things will start getting back to normal. Now, they're they're far from normal, as you guys know, but it feels good to be doing something. So we're out here in Butler, Pennsylvania. We are at a drive-in movie theater, literally a drive-in movie theater, with just a big field with that's divided up in parking lots, and then they put a stage in front of the big screen. So we'll be actually playing live in concert, not a movie, in front of the screen to a bunch of cars. This is my first experience like this. Tomorrow we're going to do it all over again in Cincinnati. So I don't know uh, I don't know how it's going to go. I do know that I am excited to be here and excited to play music regardless of what the crowd looks like, which is going to be a bunch of cars. Literally there's going to be 300 cars out here with people in them. I don't know if people are going to be out of the cars or in the cars or sitting on top of the hoods or in the back of a, of a truck bed. I don't know if they're going to honk when they like something we do or flash their lights. Um, I don't know. Well, we'll find out, but I'll, but like I said, I'm just excited to be, uh, making music live in person in Pennsylvania. I love Pennsylvania. Some, some of my, my favorite fans, I could say that about many places, but Pennsylvania is one of the many that I have tremendously missed during this crazy 2020 year. I've also really liked reading on this program, your questions, and I have set up an email, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. So that is the email I have set up specifically for your questions for this podcast. So that at this moment, I could open up that inbox 
without preparing, without reading them in advance. I could literally scroll through off the cuff and answer your questions with no preparation. I think it makes it more fun. Um, if I prepare for these, it's going to be like some kind of professor lecture, and I don't want to. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be more like me and you are sitting in the cab of a truck having a conversation. So you could ask me anything you want, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail dot com, and tell me tell me your name, first name, and and where you're from, so I can include that. When I'm reading these, and I'll I'll jump in right now. So literally, look, I'm just going through. These are this is my inbox. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm I'm gonna scroll through, and randomly stop, boom. And this one is from Greg from South Carolina. He says, "Granger, I wanted to ask a lighthearted question to give you a break from all the heavy stuff. Do you does Tyler and Parker sing too, or do they sound more like a heifer dying in the hot Texas heat?" Um, LOL. I would really like to know if more people in your family are musically inclined and yeah, Greg, thanks for writing in buddy. Um, can't wait to come back to South Carolina. Tyler and Parker do not sing. They don't sing at all. Um, my mother and father do not sing. No one sings in my immediately immediate family. The only person that even remotely sings in the extended family is my grandmother, my mother's mom. And she is the one that I've talked about a lot who's 94 years old. Now, she sings. I, I mean, she could sing on pitch. She's 94 years old, so there's not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that she's uh, Reba McIntyre or anything, but she does play a little bit of guitar, and she does sing a little bit. That's as close as it gets. Um, it's weird that you asked that question, too, because, for instance, Tyler is – you know, our voices are so, our talking voices are so similar that you would think because it's, we have a similar talking voice, we would have, we could sing, but we don't. So uh, I'm lucky that he doesn't because he's a great manager and I'm glad that he manages music because he's smarter than I am. That helps. During this episode, you're going to hear uh, the stage is on park next to the stage. So every once in a while, you're going to hear some music coming from the stage. We're going to sound check in a little bit. I might have to take a break and come back to some of these questions. Um, scrolling here, the next one is Thomas Caldwell. Thomas says, okay, here's my question. I believe the most important thing that you could do when you have a business is hire the right people. How have you been able to put together such an outstanding staff from top to bottom, from your band and crew to your production people to Yee Apparel? It seems that you have all the right people in place. Um, I appreciate you, buddy. It's that is such a such a good point because your employees for your company are to me the most valuable asset that you have above all the other resources above the tour bus or, or or whatever your biggest resource is in your particular business. So yeah, we we put um and, and a lot of people have asked a similar question and we we put a lot of attention to the hiring process. And it really starts for me with the recommendations and our vetting process. So wherever they're coming from, we will talk to their old boss and it may be even more importantly, talk to their, their old peers, the people that worked with them, see what kind of recommendation they give, see what kind of person they are. Because if we're going to hire them, we know that they're probably good at their job or at least pretty decent. So... We'll narrow it down 
And when we have the, uh, one position narrowed down to two or three people, then because of uh, I'm speaking to the touring side, not EE Apparel, but for the touring side, we could bring them on for a weekend or two runs. And that we will learn everything in one weekend. So say we, we're bringing on a new crew guy. He has to sleep in the bus, you know, in the bunk. Uh, you're sleeping in a bunk with in, on tight quarters with a bunch of other dudes that you don't know. You find a lot about somebody's personality at that point. And then we'll see their, their job performance. Now, we're not expecting perfection, but we're, we're looking for someone that through adversity, they could pivot. Um, they're, they're not going to pass blame for a problem on some outside situation. They're going to always absorb that blame and take it as a learning experience. That's, that's important for me to see some guy, everyone's going to make mistakes. So it's important for me to see someone that makes a mistake that goes, you know what? I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm going to find out and I'll do everything I can to research this problem or tech this problem, no matter what it takes. And then by the time you see me tomorrow, I will have a good explanation uh, instead of just saying either, I don't know what happened, who knows, or man, this, this guy over here has been messing things up there. I like someone to absorb the blame. So there, there's a, it's a lot of layers in finding the right person, but We'll bring someone out for two weeks. Really, if we like them for two weeks, we'll extend it to 30 to 60 day trial period. And we'll, we'll maybe extend it one more time before you're an official member of our band and crew. It's a good question, Thomas. And I, I know that a lot of people have asked a, a similar thing. Let me scroll through here. This question is from Jerry. He says, uh, what books have you read that have made an impact on your life? Um, another good question, buddy. And I wish, I wish I could be super specific, but between me and my brothers, we read a lot of books. We read a lot of books. Um, I have a few list here on my phone. Um, the miracle morning has been incredible by, by Hal Elrod. Um, that started a lot of stuff for me, my brothers, Parker and Tyler, we all read, uh, the miracle morning. Um, how to win friends and influence people is just an outstanding book. Um, let's see if you've read, I want to highly recommend, um, anything by John Eldridge, which he has captivating, which is if you're raising daughters and he has wild at heart, if you're raising sons, those are super important. Um, obstacle is the way great book. Uh, 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Awesome. Uh, Atomic Habits, James Clear. Um, Living with the Monks by Jesse Itzler. Awesome book. And then, then you got to go to Living with the Seal by Jesse Itzler. Another awesome book. Uh, the Purpose Driven Life. Uh, that is a must-have. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Another must-have. Um, I have some learning Spanish books here. I have uh, The 1% Rule. By Tommy Baker, um, The Reaper by Nicholas Irvin, awesome book. Um, I have so many books, guys. I didn't even realize. Uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, awesome book. The Rise of Teddy Roosevelt. You guys know I love Teddy Roosevelt. Um, scrolling on, I, I like Minimalism. That's a cool, really cool book. Um, 
have a book here called Start Your Farm. It's like a gardening book for uh, begin, uh, breaking ground on raw land and becoming a, making it a farm. Um, Stillness is a Key, another Ryan Holiday book. Essentialism, Ego is the Enemy, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. That's a, that's a great one. Also, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um, anything by Jordan Peterson. So 12 Rules for Life and Maps of Meaning, uh, specifically 12 Rules for Life. If I could recommend anything other than the Bible itself, which I read every day, I would recommend uh, 12 Rules for Life. Really, really good book. Um, yeah, and, and I don't want to just keep throwing these titles out, but reading is a very important part of my life. And um, I'm, I'm always reading either some kind of self-help, some kind of fiction, and the Bible every single day. Usually all three in pieces. Good question, Jerry. Thank you. Let me find something else. I got a good time. Um, scroll, scroll, scroll. This question is from John. He says, hey, Granger, my question is this. I have written a few songs, and I think they are worthy enough to share with people. But I don't sing very well and would still like to show my song to someone else to see what they think. How would you go about putting these songs in front of others? It's a good question, John. I think, first of all, um, the fact that you don't sing well or that you claim to not sing well is kind of irrelevant because the way that you sing is a way that you uh, tell your story through your songs. And so um, there's a lot of singer-songwriters out there that are either phenomenal in their own way or they have such a unique flavor to their voice that it's almost hard to digest, like a... um, like a, a a very serious old whiskey, you know. It's like you can understand uh, the the art in it, but it's hard to digest. So, um, I think I think that you should first of all try to sing your own songs and record them. And I've talked a lot about recording software, but you could just use your phone, literally put your phone on the table, pick up a guitar or your buddy that plays guitar and hash out some of these songs and record them. It's so important to hear yourself sing, even if you don't like it. It's important in your growth as a musician and as a songwriter to hear yourself and correct yourself from hearing yourself. It's like when you comb your hair, right? This is a good example. You comb your hair in the morning. You don't comb it without looking in the mirror. I mean, you can, but then it's just, you're kind of just guessing and thinking that your hair is okay. But you look in the mirror and you comb it according to what your eyes think look good. So if you're singing and you're trying to sing, you need to record yourself as if it, that's the mirror. Because when you listen back with your ears, which are your eyes, um, your ears are going to tell you what's good or not. Just like your eyes tell you what, which way to comb your hair. So record, record, record over and over and over. Boom. Hayden. Hayden from Rock Springs, Wyoming says, Hey, Granger, I'm 23 years old, soon to be a dad to my first son, Hudson, on October 28th. What is some of the best advice you can give to this to a soon-to-be dad? Um, Hayden, congratulations, man. First of all, congratulations. Your first son, Hudson, um, on October 28th. You know, I always look at, look at stuff like this as... Um, you know I'm a believer, and God gives us 
a timeline for having children just perfectly for our own understanding. And what I mean, let me explain. What I mean is when you find out your girl's pregnant, God then gives you nine months to prepare for that infant. And then when the baby's born, then God gives you a certain amount of months before they, you could put them on the ground. So everything, everything kind of in your house can stay the same. And then by, by about, you know, what's seven months, they, they become mobile. So God has given you seven months up at that point to figure out how to childproof your house. And then from that point, God gives you a certain amount of time before they're walking and can reach upper parts of the cabinets. And then it, that, that goes, that timeline goes on and on and on until you could even say, if it's a girl, for instance, God gives you 16 years to prepare for dating. So when you first have a baby girl and you think, oh my God, what am I going to do when she starts dating? Well, the cool thing is God's going to give you 16 years to educate yourself and prepare yourself for that moment. Or you might think, what am I going to do when she gets married? Well, you got two decades, buddy, to, to come up with this. Right, how am I going to afford a wedding? Well, you can start saving now because you got, you got two and a half decades. So um, the, the best advice I can give you as a dad, a, a soon-to-be dad, is soak up every moment. Soak up the moments now. Don't worry about um, the, the first deer rifle you're going to buy them or... Uh, or get a four-wheeler that you're dying to get him for his 12th birthday, you know. Focus on now. Focus on um, focus on your girl right now. And the reason I say girl, because you didn't say if it was your wife or not. So um, focus on her. Give her all the attention she deserves. Um, shower her with attention. She's about to give you your first son. And um, it's going to be physically a beatdown for her. And... It, it mentally it might be tough on you, but physically it's going to be very tough on her. So shower her with all the attention she can get and um, cater to her every need. That will pay dividends forward for you with her. If you, if you give her that time now, and then as far as your son's concerned, soak up every moment because it's going to change week to week. Every little bit of change that his little body is going to go through these next few months, it's, you're never going to get these back. You get one chance. You're never going to get them back. Um, something that, that's important to remember, and I'll close with this on this question. Something that's important to remember is that a lot of times a little baby doesn't acknowledge the father as well as they acknowledge the mother. And that's kind of by design, you know, you don't have anything that's going to feed this baby besides a bottle. So, um, naturally the baby usually is more inclined to the mother and the father is more of a, just a, an accessory toy. And that has nothing to do with love. Um, you're feeling the way that you feel the day that he's born, um, does not reflect how you're going to feel anytime in the future, because you might be expecting this huge, overwhelming, crying moment. Oh my God, here's my son. This is, this is the, you might expect that. And if it doesn't happen, your mind could ask, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't feel completely overwhelmed. And that's because it could be shadowed by 
a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of numbness because you made me, you didn't sleep very well the night before, the, the mm-hmm. weeks before. So anyway, the, the most important thing is just soak up that moment because the moment will be more important and you look back on it than it is maybe in that time period. So congratulations, buddy. Um, I wish you the very best. I'm going to reset this camera and come right back. I hope you guys are enjoying today's podcast. For you to watch it or stream it or listen to it, it's free. But for me, I got expenses. I got people to pay to make this podcast happen. So luckily, I'm blessed to have today's podcast brought to you by Amazon Music. And as part of Prime Day, Prime members get four months of Amazon Music Unlimited for just 99 cents. That's access to 60 million songs on demand and ad-free for less than a buck. So you can play the songs you want when you want to play them. And if you want to stream for free, Amazon Music still has over a million podcast episodes at no charge, along with thousands of stations and top playlists. I love Amazon Music because I can sit there and build my own personal playlist. I like 90s country, so I could build my 90s country with my Mark Chestnut, Tracy Bird, Tracy Lawrence, uh, George Strait, Alan Jackson, the list goes on and on. Sammy Kershaw, you name it. I love 90s country, and I build my personal playlist on Amazon Music. It makes it awesome. I can tie in Alexa, and then I could be hands-free with Alexa. So you're going to love Amazon Music Unlimited, too. I promise. Get your Prime deal for a limited time. Prime members can get four months of Amazon Music Unlimited for just 99 cents. Go to Amazon.com slash Granger. That's Amazon, excuse me, dot com slash Granger for your prime deal on Amazon Music. New subscribers only. Renews automatically. Cancel anytime. Offer ends 10, 14 terms apply. Back to the story. Yee yee. This question is from Donnie from Belton, Texas. Donnie says, I think the podcast is great, and I love the new music that came out this Friday. My question for you is, what if London and Lincoln went into the music entertainment business? Would you let them, and how would you feel about it? I think about this question all the time, and I get asked this quite a bit, too. And the greatest gift my parents gave me, besides my name and dental work, would be the gift of freedom to follow our dreams for me and my two brothers. And when I wanted to be a musician so passionately, I wanted to be on the stage and sing my songs to the people and ride in a tour bus. I wanted that so bad. I lived and breathed it. I thought about it all the time. I dreamed about it. Um, My parents let me do it. And if they hadn't, if they had discouraged me or if they told me to get a real job or that this would never work out or this was a stupid idea or that the odds were against me, if they had told me any of that stuff, that would have been probably devastating and probably changed everything for me in my life today. So that being said, from this question from Donnie, you asked two different things. Would you let them and how would you feel about it? So first of all, yes, I would let them because that that's a gift that I would need to return that my parents gave to me. Now, how would I feel about it? I would feel, uh, I'd feel uneasy. I'd feel scared because this business is so tough on the soul, on the heart. It could be 
It could be heartbreaking, devastating to the soul and crushing the dreams and taking an art that you love and a passion that you have and crushing it up into a sausage grinder and spitting it out in, in the form of uh, music marketing. I have been very lucky, very blessed to have been able to bypass so much of that by choosing my own path in the music business, by choosing uh, to to not be with a record label for so long, to live in my home state of Texas, to tour on our own terms, to make music on my own terms, recording my own songs in my own house. So I've been able to bypass a lot of that, but it's almost luck or God thing that I was able to do that. And I couldn't say the same for Lincoln and London. And, and if, if one of my kids decided to be in the music business, inevitably they would be Granger Smith's kid trying to make a name. Now, sometimes that's great. Look at Thomas Rhett. You know, that's been great. But a lot of times it's really tough on the kid to try to live up to something and try to make their own, create their own path separate from their dad and and get, draw respect that's separate from their dad. So that is tough, man. That's um I I just literally my prayer is that they could follow their passion and follow their dreams and that it's not music. <laughs> yeah, especially London. Like I think about her more than Lincoln. Like London, I don't want her to be judged by her looks as the females are judged more in, in music by their looks than guys are. And I don't want her to be judged and criticized and, and put into categories. And that is not something I would wish on anybody on, on especially females. I would not wish that on any woman. I would just like her to be like a veterinarian or of a school teacher or something, something like that, that she could find just as much joy in. Have I made my point, Donnie? I think, um, I think you know how I feel about that. Let me find another here. Speaking of record labels, my phone's literally blowing up from record label people texting me right now. It's not the time. I'm doing a podcast here. Okay. Caleb. Caleb, it doesn't say where he's from, but Caleb says, uh, by the time you get this, I will have been married for two days with my wedding being October 3rd. I'm 21 years old, living in Lake Orion, Michigan. So there it is, Michigan. I was wondering what your advice may be regarding um, family conflict, especially as I begin this next journey in marriage and expand my family to include my in-laws. I love them all, but I'm wondering how to strike a balance as my in-laws struggle to let my soon-to-be wife go and my family gets jealous of where we spend our time. I've struggled to maintain good relations with my own parents, but recently have realized how difficult it will be to handle when her parents seek to parent both of us. Of course, I always accept guidance, advice, and help when necessary, but I also have established my own freedom to fail so that I could grow from that. Thanks in advance. Yee yee, Caleb. Dude, what a question, man. Um, where do I start? First of all, congratulations. I'll start with that. Um, you're married, dude, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, you are already married because I am reading this on October the 1st, and you're getting married in two days. So 
Congratulations, man. I love Michigan and um, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy that you got a, a wedding during this crazy time. That's something you'll be able to smile about down the road for sure. Um, but it sounds like you got some issues, bro. It sounds like you got some family th- th- uh, things going on. Um, you got some in-laws that don't know how to let, let their daughter go. And um, you, got a, you said, my family gets jealous of where we spend our time. And you want to maintain good relationships with everybody. But her parents want to parent you both. I got an idea for you. And this is, you know, it's hard. It's hard for you to start a marriage um, with this, but you, I'm sure what's happened is you got engaged. And then as you were engaged and you're going through wedding plans, I'm imagining that things intensified with her family. Um, and they kind of drew in the reins a little bit, tightened the grip once that wedding date got closer and closer. And I don't think that it's that strange or abnormal that they're doing that. Um, I don't think it's good that they're doing that. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's strange because there, for a lot of people, that's got to be, I don't, I don't know, I'm not nearly close to there, but for a lot of people, that's got to be a, a natural inclination to hang on to your baby girl as long as you can. And when she gets married, if you can sink your talons into the husband, then you could just hang on to your little girl forever. And there's nothing wrong with the thought. The thing that's wrong is actually carrying that out because they will no longer have the right to do that. And that is tough. It is tough to tell a father, hey, dad, I got her now. You don't have to parent me or her anymore. We appreciate your advice. We're going to stand by you in in your family, in your name. And I want to learn from you. And I want to grow with you. And I want you to teach me your trade. And I want you to show me what you've learned in your years that I don't know. But there's got to be certain places that we draw the line. Like my job or where we live or how we raise our children to be. Those are things that I have to make decisions. I want your advice but you're, that's all it's going to be is advice, not dictatorship. Caleb, I would put a lot of this on her too. I would put a lot of this on your wife and, and, and some late night conversations with her. Babe, I need you to talk to your parents. You're their baby girl. I can't imagine what it's like to give up their baby girl to marriage. But it's time to move on from them parenting you as if you're 16, you're not 16 years old anymore. So you, you guys are still young. Like y'all are a young couple, but I think, I think a lot of this is going to come down to her shoulders saying, mom, dad, could we have some coffee? I need to talk to you about something separate from Caleb first and see how they react. Maybe, maybe they they listen to her and they go, you know what? I don't think we even realized we were doing that. And you're right. I'm sorry. And we'll work on that. Uh, but maybe, I mean, maybe they'll say that, that wouldn't that be awesome if they just said, wow, you're, I didn't even think about that, but we'll try our best to back off. Or maybe it's the mom, the mom-in-law or the dad-in-law, maybe it's one or the other. And if you can get with the opposite to talk the other one off the ledge a little bit, regardless, um, this is not like a deal breaker, Caleb, and it's very normal 
It's still not right. I would put this a lot on your wife and uh, see what happens. Have her talk. See what happens. Get back to me. Come back to this podcast and uh, we'll talk again. Me and you sitting here on this bus having a chat. It's a good question, man. And congratulations. Let me do this, this scroll here. Here's Joel. Joel says, first off, first off, I want to say um, you pretty much renewed my faith in country music since I first heard you with Dirt Road Driveway. I, uh, I have done back, I've gone back and listened uh, to some of your older stuff and like that, like that stuff just as much. Um, I Almost Am is one of my favorite songs, so thank you for that. My questions are, would you ever consider writing and recording an entire Earl album? And do you think you'll ever feature Donnie Cowboy on an album or a live show? Thank you, Joel. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for listening, and um, I'm glad I've renewed your faith in country music. I have definitely considered an entire Earl album. Um, when Country Things Volume 2 comes out, and the, the entire collection of Country Things is out, 16 songs, there will be, at that point, a total of nine Earl Dibble songs. So that's a lot. So one thought is, I could write a couple more, and then add those nine together, and we got like Earl Dibble's greatest hits. So comment below if that's an idea. Um, w- one thing I have to tell you is that, and I've always felt strongly about this, is that the reason Earl works so well is that I I feed it to the crowd in limited doses. If I if I walked out tonight here in Pennsylvania, dressed in overalls and played an entire show as Earl. It would be really fun for about three minutes, and then it would that over-sensory craziness would start to wear on you, and you'd get a little numb to it. And I think what makes it work better is when I have the more uh, well-rounded group of songs, the slower ones, the mid-tempo ones, the faster, more country ones, the faster, more rock ones. And then after all that good mix, boom, at the end, there's Earl Dibbles. And you don't see him too much. You, you see him just enough where you say, I wish there was more, but there's not. And that's always been my goal. So um, I've been careful with not giving too much Earl at one time. And so far, it has worked. I appreciate you liking Donnie Cowboy, too, man. I love Donnie. And if he gets a song that's more popular than anything Earl's ever done, I guarantee you there will be a place for Donnie on the live show or on an album. Thank you, Joel. This question's from Amanda. It says, Hey, Granger, first off, I'm a huge fan and love watching you and your family. I've been to two of your concerts, and both were awesome. I live in Burlington, New Jersey. I was wondering if you're going to be coming back to Jersey and uh, would definitely want to see you and go to your meet and greet when things get back to normal. Also, I know this isn't a question, but my birthday is Saturday, October 3rd. I'll be turning 31. I would love a birthday shout-out. It would make my week. So, Amanda, officially, I want to tell you on this podcast happy birthday. I, I am uh, happy for you. I'm grateful for you being a fan. And apps, of course, we're going to be back to New Jersey. Of course. It's not a question. If anyone asks a question that says, do you think you'll ever make it back to? The answer is yes. This next question comes from Brett. And Brett says his hometown is Bend, Oregon, and his current town is Nashville, Tennessee. He says, how did st- learning steel guitar come about? And 
how much do you do you play it currently? So you have to do your homework to find out that I'm an old steel guitar player. I used to play for a couple different bands, including Trent Willman, who him and I wrote the, the song Heroes, and he co-produced it with me on this latest album. So that's a little trivia with Trent. And Chris Lee, my tour manager now, was a drummer in that band. Um, I learned steel guitar. I was living in Nashville and uh, writing songs solely. I wasn't in a band at all. I was just writing songs. And I had a lot of time when I would get home in the afternoons. And I thought, you know what? I've got a, I've loved steel guitar. I love that instrument so much. And I wanted to use that extra time in a music city like Nashville and where there's a plethora of players. So I bought a steel guitar at a pawn shop and I went downtown to Broadway where all the bands are and I found this old guy that played steel guitar and I said, hey man, I'd love to learn that instrument. Can you give me some lessons? And he said, yeah, how about Monday, three o'clock? So boom, it was on. I started doing lessons then, um, started reading books on it and played. But the most important thing is I played every single day for many hours and played enough to learn how to be in Trent's band and then kept playing. Um, unfortunately, when I moved back to Texas and needed the money to start my own band, I needed the money to sell it, so I stole the steel guitar. And so I haven't played it um, just off and on over the last 10 years. I've probably played it just a little bit. If I see one, some other band has it, I'll sit down and play. So uh, not much. But we have thought about, because Country Things has so much steel guitar, we have thought about maybe bringing it back in the live show for that, for country things. So that could be cool. So comment below if that's something you would like to see. Um, maybe so. That might be pretty awesome. So I'll, I'll keep thinking about that. And by the way, Brett, you're from Bend, Oregon, originally. Absolutely love that town. Um, thoughts and prayers go to everyone in Oregon that's uh, in danger in California as well with these crazy fires. Um, as if you needed anything else in the Northwest to be a problem this year. There's some serious fires out there, and that is, if y'all haven't been to Bend, Oregon, or or any of those great forests in Oregon, it's just so beautiful, unbelievable forest out there, and it, it's heartbreaking to know that uh, because of some stupid people there, it's burning like crazy. So uh, I'll leave it with that, guys. Remember to email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll get on these questions. Thank you for everyone that emailed in. Uh, I'm never going to be able to get to all these. I'm going to scroll forever and not be able to get to all of them, but um, but I hope so. And I'll just keep on, I'll keep on chopping away. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed to whatever channel you're watching this podcast on, do that so that you can know every time we put these out on Monday morning, I'm going to run in here and do soundtrack on the stage of the movie theater and Butler, PA, thank God, Torrance back. Yee-yee to that. Mm-hmm.